When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For this week's Rewind, and since it's summer, I wanted to revisit what is possibly my favorite episode I've ever done, which was the best summer for movies during the 1980s. This episode is completely redone and takes us back to when summer became hallowed ground for big blockbuster films. Studios now wait for any time after Memorial Day to put out the big guns, and this all started in the 80s. But which summer had the best movies? 1984 was a real standout, but how does it compare to the juggernaut of 1988? The summer movies of the 80s gave us some of the most beloved films in history. Not only were there the big blockbusters, but comedy classics and memorable family films. The summer movies of the 80s were all about fun and adventure. So which year was best? That's what I'm going to attempt to narrow down here today. summer movies become a thing. We can really chalk this up to George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. This all unofficially started in 1975 when Jaws was released. It became a massive hit and was the highest grossing film up to that point. Then in 1977, George Lucas put out a little Robots and Aliens movie that would change the landscape of Hollywood forever. They released these movies in the summer and studios were noticing something. Since most people were on vacation and off from school, they had been going back to see Jaws and Star Wars countless times. It seems like a no-brainer now, but studios didn't consider that younger people had little to do in the summer. But this was also because there hadn't been any monumental, groundbreaking movies like Jaws and Star Wars. So you could say that the idea of summer being the biggest movie season inadvertently started with Jaws and was cemented with Star Wars. By the time the 1980s rolled around, there would always be at least two gigantic movies released each summer. So, which was the best one? And like I alluded to, I've never struggled more with a list like this. I went back and forth on the order, constantly changed things around. Eventually, I just had to stop or I don't think I'd ever finalize this thing. Even now, I'm still debating the top three a little bit. But there are also a few caveats when putting together this list. The summer movie season officially kicks off Memorial Day weekend, which is usually near the end of May. 
This is also the official kickoff for summer. So to officially be a summer movie release, they had to have been released by Memorial Day weekend or later, and I cut things off at the end of August. Many of these movies are topics I've done much more in-depth episodes about, so you can go back if anything sort of strikes your fancy and see what I've done to cover that movie itself. For each year, I'll do a brief intro and talk about the theme that seemed to run through that summer. I'll also wrap up each section talking about which I think was the most notable movie for that year and how it stacks up in the list of the best summer movies for the 80s. Okay, here we go. At number 10, the summer of 1983. The theme here is that this is the single blockbuster summer. So here are some standout movies. Return of the Jedi, Trading Places, Superman 3, and National Lampoon's Vacation. Return of the Jedi was such a highly anticipated movie that I don't think any other studio wanted to go up against it. And fair enough, this was the culmination of the Star Wars trilogy. The summer of 1983 didn't offer a lot when it came to epic 1980s pop culture type films. National Lampoon's Vacation was the perfect offering to go up against the science fiction juggernauts in Return of the Jedi and Superman 3. You always need those comedies mixed in to balance out the over-the-top big screen blockbuster. So, not the best summer overall, but it contains one of the best movies of the entire 1980s. At number 9, the summer of 1981, and I'm calling this the summer of indie. Not independent films, but Indiana Jones. So, this summer we have Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, then The Evil Dead, there was Porky's and Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. It's hard to emphasize what a monster hit Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is. I really recommend checking out the episode I did all about the history of Indiana Jones and whether he was based on a real person and how these movies came to be. But adjusted for inflation, it made nearly a billion dollars. And this is a good time to point out that these movies opened on way fewer screens. There weren't giant 32 screen multiplexes that showed the same movie around the clock. You only had limited showings. But Indiana Jones dominated the summer of 1981 and most of the year. Porky's is notable because it's that summer comedy offering that will always be able to carve out its own little niche. When you put those risque teen sex comedy tropes into the mix, there's always going to be an audience for it. The Evil Dead was a great release for horror fans, and the Mad Max movie certainly made an impact. This is still the early days of turning the summer into blockbuster season, so it's understandable that there's a limited amount of choices but you can see how notable those choices were. At number eight, the summer of 1988. And this is one I struggled with a little bit, but I'll explain why. This I consider the summer of sequels. There's a bunch. We've got Young Guns, Crocodile Dundee 2, Rambo 3, Big, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Short Circuit 2, Cocktail, Die Hard, A Fish Called Wanda, Big Top Pee Wee, Caddyshack 2, and one of the worst movies ever made, Mac and Me. By this point in the 1980s, there had been several blockbuster movies. There was now a lot of money in sequels, and those big hits from two to three to four years ago now had new releases for the summer of 1988. 
This was an era where movies seemed to take longer to make, so enough time had passed that a bunch of new classics had time to build a big following. It's hard not to have the summer of 88 higher on this list, but the sequel issue makes it a little trickier for me. I see them as a follow-up to something already successful and not exactly an original offering. The big standouts here have to be Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Die Hard. The summer of 1988 was the summer that really had something for everyone. You had action-adventure, comedy, and again, the worst movie of all time in Mac and Me, which I've done a whole show about. Funnily enough, there weren't any big science fiction fantasy blockbusters this summer. Another reason why I had it a little farther down the list. At number seven, the summer of 1985. And I call this one the summer of true adventure. Here's what we had. A View to a Kill, Fletch, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Follow That Bird, Weird Science, and Teen Wolf. When I think of the summer of 1985 for movies, I just think fun and adventure. These movies were all about fantasy and escapism. Many of these films are the definition of that escapism. This year, of course, is centered around Back to the Future. Not only is it my favorite film of all time, I think it's the definitive 1980s film. And a lot of people felt the same way. Back to the Future was the number one movie for an astounding 13 straight weeks. This made it not only the most successful film of the summer, but easily of the entire year. Michael J. Fox was also pulling double duty with Teen Wolf, which I had forgot to come out that same summer. But then there's the movie that many cite as their all-time favorite 80s movie, The Goonies. This is the positioning I really felt I had the most trouble with determining this order. I think it's because Weird Science, Teen Wolf, Fall That Bird, and Fletch were not gigantic hits, but they all gave us that fun and adventure that we go to the movies for. At number six, the summer of 1980. And this one I called the Summer of Influence. So look what we have here. Caddyshack, Friday the 13th, Airplane, The Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, and Mad Max. 1985 arguably had more hits, but the summer of 1980 had some of the most influential movies in film history. Just look at that lineup. You've got the best of all the Star Wars movies, and the one that changed the way people viewed what a sequel could even be. Then you've got Caddyshack and Airplane, which are two of the most influential comedies of all time. Mad Max redefined what a film experience could be. And then there's The Shining, possibly my second favorite movie ever. And again, one of the most influential horror movies ever made. Throw Friday the 13th in there and you've got a collection of films that redefine what each genre could be. The amazing thing about the summer of 1980 is that most of these gigantic and classic films all came out within a week of each other. The decade was starting off by going full on with the summer blockbusters, and it gave us some of the greatest movies, not only of the 80s, but in film history. At number five, I've got the summer of 1987, and the theme here is the summer of just pure fun. 
Here's a big list. We've got Beverly Hills Cop 2, Ernest Goes to Camp, Harry and the Hendersons, Predator, Spaceballs, Full Metal Jacket, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Robocop, Summer School, La Bamba, Superman 5, The Quest for Peace, The Lost Boys, Masters of the Universe, Back to the Beach, Who's That Girl, and Dirty Dancing. The summer of 1987 really stands out in my mind. This is more from my perspective, of course, because I was now of the age where I could go to the movies and was more likely to be allowed to meet up with friends at the mall and all that sort of thing. The movies that came out in the summer of 1987 had this more lighthearted, upbeat feel to them. You may remember them that way or not, but I remember them being promoted this way. And it was the summer where I really felt you didn't want to miss out on any of them. Maybe that was the age I was at at the time and more friends were able to see some of these things. So you felt a little more influenced or pressured to go see them. The commercials and trailers of many of these films really conveyed that sense of summertime fun. The summer of 87 had one of the best balances of different film genres. There were comedies, family movies, science fiction, and action adventure. To me, the big standouts are Robocop and Spaceballs. And I've done a full review of Robocop over at Patreon.com if you want to have access to the Everything 80s movie review podcast. I'll talk about that more at the end of this show. But Spaceballs, to me, one of the most influential films of my childhood. Things in that movie that I still quote to this day. Maybe you're the same. 1987 didn't have the greatest movies of all time, but to me it stands out as one of those classic 80s summers when an entire family could go to the movies and everyone could find a movie that they liked and that was catered to them. Okay, number four, the summer of 1982. This one I'm calling the summer of epicness. We've got Rocky III, Poltergeist, E.T., Blade Runner, The Thing, Tron, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. An epic is the only word that I can use to describe some of these movies from 1982. The studios, directors, and producers were really pushing the boundaries of what films could be. The technology was improving so that it wasn't a distraction, but actually serviced the story. I own several of these on Blu-ray, and a lot of them look like they were made yesterday. E.T., Blade Runner, and Tron specifically were way ahead of their time. Again, you watch these movies now. I always reference Blade Runner. This movie looks like it was only made five to 10 years ago. The more I look at this lineup, the more I think it could be the best summer for movies of the entire decade. I think the only thing that holds it back is the focus on supernatural science fiction. Not that that's a bad thing. This summer just really pushed the boundaries for what a movie could be. This was a summer of movies that was way ahead of its time. We've reached the top three. At number three, the summer of 1986. And the theme here is consistency. The summer of 86 has the most consistent movies of the entire decade. Here's the sampling. Aliens, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, Stand By Me, The Fly, Labyrinth, Flight of the Navigator, Howard the Duck, and Transformers the Movie. When I went back to make this list and to put this episode together, I had completely forgotten all of these movies I just listed had come out at the same time. 
What makes the summer of 1986 so significant is how consistently good all of these movies are. To me, what makes it so good is there isn't necessarily a standout leader in this group how there had been with other summers. They're just all evenly great. Each movie holds up on its own, as does the entire summer. There isn't one movie that defines the year this, the way Return of the Jedi or Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark did. If I had to pick the top one, it's probably got to be Top Gun. But there's just so much balance between these releases. Aliens was epic. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a generation-defining comedy. The Fly is a science fiction classic. And Stand By Me is the ultimate coming-of-age film. Labyrinth was that fantasy, Jim Henson-connected movie that a lot of people were instantly drawn to. And even though we look back at it in a bit of a negative way, Howard the Duck was a hugely anticipated film this summer. It was made by George Lucas. It had Leah Thompson fresh off of Back to the Future. It was based on this classic Marvel property. It was making great use of the, you know, now improved industrial light and magic. There was a lot of hype behind this thing. We all know how it turned out. And I did an entire episode that looks into this train wreck of a movie. But remember, this was a hugely hyped film. On a side note, for a young kid in 1986, nothing was bigger than the Transformers movie. If you remember this, you also remember how soul-crushing it was when, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime is killed. It turns out this movie was basically a way to clear out old inventory and toys and to introduce new characters that were going to be left on the shelves. There's a lot of great creativity to this movie. The animation is incredible. The soundtrack holds it back a bit, but it's a movie that does really hold up and unfortunately traumatized a lot of kids in the 1980s. These films are all just so equally solid that I believe the summer of 86 is worthy of the number three spot on this list. This will reveal my number one choice, but at number two, the summer of 1989. This is the summer of the true blockbuster. Get ready for a big list. We've got Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Dead Poets Society, No Holds Barred, Batman, Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Weekend at Bernie's, The Karate Kid Part 3, License to Kill, When Harry Met Sally, UHF, Turner and Hooch, Parenthood, and Uncle Buck. So this summer could easily be in the number one spot, but I think my choice holds up when we get to it. Still, this is the summer that defined what the blockbuster could be. Obviously, I think Batman is the standout for this year, and Batman is also significant as is summer movie releases because it started the era where studios became consumed with the opening weekend box office results. But from there, just look at the rest of the offerings we got this summer. There were critical hits like Dead Poets Society, classic comedy and Weekend at Bernie's, and really the genre-defining movie in When Harry Met Sally. And then there were family staples such as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Then there was the final, at the time, installment of the Indiana Jones franchise. I believe that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade may be the perfect film. This summer was all about excitement and everything that was coming out seemed bigger than the previous release. If you remember 1989, you maybe remember it the same way I did, as absolute hype 
and one thing being better than the next. We didn't necessarily have spoilers of movies that were coming. There were coming attractions, but there were so many different ones it was hard to keep track of. There was no internet for insights. We didn't have YouTube trailers released all the time and multiple teasers. These movies just kept coming at us. Everyone was bigger than the last and it was an overwhelmingly great experience of summer at the movies. 1989 also had possibly my favorite comedy ever in Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. And this is a movie that I've covered over at the Everything 80s Movie Review Podcast at Patreon.com. And this is an interesting story because Orion Studios wasn't sure what they were getting into with Weird Al. When they tested this movie, it had some of the highest testing results they had ever done. It was higher than RoboCop. They were picturing Weird Al was going to be like their new Woody Allen, and they were going to build this whole structure around him and all these movies. And they were so convinced it was going to save the studio that they put it out during arguably the biggest summer for blockbusters in movie history. It got crushed by all these films, and it's unfortunate because it's such an underrated comedy. Uh, it only ended up lasting two weeks in, th in the theater because of all the competition. So 1989 could easily be the best summer for movies in the 80s, but hopefully you see why my number one choice is. At number one, the summer of 1984. And the theme here is this is the summer of the instant classic. Not as many offerings as 89 or 88 or even 1987, but here's our lineup. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Star Trek III The Search for Spock, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, The Muppets Take Manhattan, Revenge of the Nerds, and Purple Rain. In the summer of 1984, you knew you had something special on your hands. I just feel some of the movies that came out in the summer of 84 are the ones that many people think of when they think of 1980s movies, especially Gremlins, Ghostbusters, and The Karate Kid. But then add to that the highly anticipated follow-up to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Temple of Doom was another gigantic hit. You also get an all-time comedy classic in Revenge of the Nerds and one of my personal favorites, the family-friendly Muppets Take Manhattan. Add to that the critical drama Purple Rain and the Star Trek 3, which please trackies everywhere, and you've got a summer of massively influential movies. In my opinion, most of these movies could have come out in other summers with no other hits and still made that summer significant. You could put Ghostbusters in the summer of 83 and, you know, it might have held up well despite those few other competitions in there. No matter what summer you released The Karate Kid, it was going to find a huge audience. There was so much word of mouth around that film that it was going to just draw in viewers. Same thing with Gremlins. It was such a unique movie that it would stand out any year it came out. The Muppets were still as big as they had ever been. It could have come out any other year. Purple Rain being such a critical success. Revenge of the Nerds being that, you know, all-time teen sex comedy classic. And of course, any year a Star Trek movie came out in the 80s, there was a huge draw. But this is where we'll wrap it up. Because as I mentioned, as I look back, I still want to maybe make adjustments to this list, but we eventually we have to finalize it. And no matter what order you put these years, we can all agree how lucky we were to have had all these great releases during the 80s. The 1980s set the stage for what summer at the movies would become. 
I still love all the big blockbusters of today, but sometimes they feel a little soulless. The summer movies of the 80s were able to capture a unique tone and spirit to the point we're still watching them today, and they're the movies we want to return back to. They're the movies that continue to be remade and rebooted. There's just something about the 1980s and the films that have drawn us in. And as we finish up, I'd mentioned Patreon earlier, and I want to give a shout out to the patron of the week. This week, it's Stanley C. from South Africa and asking some of his favorite 80 things. So starting with movies, of course, besides Back to the Future being his favorite movie, he also goes with Flight of the Navigator, Iron Eagle. Uh, we look at favorite TV show, Stanley's favorite MacGyver. Followed up, Close Seconds, Airwolf, Street Hawk, shows like that. His favorite cartoon, The Bionic 6. Also love Galaxy Rangers. Favorite video game, New Rally X. Remember back from 1981? His favorite toy he had growing up was a Game & Watch Popeye. And says he still has it 100% working. I did a whole episode all about the Game & Watch and how it really was the most important device Nintendo created before the NES, before the Famicom. It really laid the groundwork for what Nintendo would become. His favorite band, musical artist, Van Halen. Can never go wrong there. Fa favorite 80s breakfast cereal, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Basically, he calls them cornflakes that glisten in the early morning sunrise with its oh-so-sugary coating of unhealthiness. The perfect way to describe Frosted Flakes. One of my favorites, too. So that's Patreon. And I mentioned the Everything 80s movie review podcast over there. So Patreon itself, if you're unfamiliar, it's just the platform where you can support podcasts like this. The difference is you get different audio rewards in their various tiers. And depending on the tier uh, you, you support at, you get the different audio rewards. The movie review podcast being one of them. Uh, the shout outs, the bios being another. If you want to learn more, if you want to check it all out, just head to Patreon dot com slash 80 so p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash eight zero s or wherever you're listening to this on there should be a link in the show notes or description that'll take you right there okay that's it for me i'll be back soon with a new episode don't you dare miss it